What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Sports Card Madness, the podcast that focuses on sports cards, collectibles, the hobby, and everything else in between. For today's episode, we sat down with Dave Ammerman, Chief Revenue Officer for Golden Auctions, and we had a blast. It was an awesome episode. We got a look really behind the curtain of a major auction house and got to understand a bit on how they work, how they scout for items, how they help buyers, and really like what an auction house offers the hobby in general. It was a great episode. We also talked about the Netflix show that Golden starred in, King of Collectibles, and what it was like to deal with celebrities on there and consign some of their stuff. And there were some really cool stories. I think you guys will dig it. So let's dive in. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Sports Card Madness, the show about sports cards, collectibles, the hobby, and everything in between. I'm here again with LZ, and I've also got Dave Ammerman from Golden Auctions on with me. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing good. How you guys doing? Awesome. Doing great, Dave. Yeah, we're really excited. I feel like we've got a celebrity here because we've both seen the, the Netflix show, and it was, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was, it was good times. Six episodes, but we got re-signed for a second season. So we're going to start filming that pretty soon. So it's been a challenge recently because I'm just doing what I normally do at Golden, but also looking forward to starting to film and helping to put that together and get items. There's like two different groups of items, auction items, TV items, and then it's crazy. Probably some of that are both yeah. too, right? You got like some stuff that goes on TV and off to auction. Well, that's that's the goal, right? The goal is to come to Golden to sell your items and to get the most money. And obviously, if we can create that crazy sale, we want everyone to see it and live it with with our sellers, you know, mm-hmm. and our buyers. Yeah, yeah the, uh, the visibility was so cool on the show. Just with you and your colleagues watching the big screen and watching the money tick up. Is that like a real thing you guys actually do? <laughs> I can't say, but okay. uh, like, we all have access to golden, golden.com and you can see how the auctions work on there. So that was fun. That was for us a way to just live in the bidding together as opposed to mm-hmm. how we normally would. So yeah, that was, that was exciting. And obviously it added suspense, but really puts you in the moment of like, man, and that's how we were thinking, obviously at the auctions coming to a close, but it let you kind of live it with us. And some of those scenes were at like, 10 in the morning. Someone made a comment. They're like, hey, the light, it's bright outside, but I thought your office closed at 9.30 p.m. or 10 p.m. And we're like, okay. Hey, yeah, I got you. Yeah. It's kind of like those yeah. house shows where they, they build the house in like a day and it's like, I don't know about that, but that's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah there's a lot of pressure in the auctions. Dave, so you you mentioned you had last season was, was six episodes. How long did that take to film? Was that over like a two-month period or a month period? What, yeah, how long does that know, last? you're you're pretty much correct exactly it was about two months and then they actually had to start putting it together and then come back and film for another like three weeks or so and it it went for a little while so you'll notice like some haircuts are different some of us are tanner towards the end like we started like oh well this is this is when they came back and we're all in shape for the summer and here's when they got here in the middle of winter but luckily this time it's it's the roles are reversed a little but yes six episodes but but with the first season you didn't really know First of all, they didn't know us. We, we had a, a teaser that we put out there. They got to watch four minutes of us, maybe eight minutes of us. And I was probably in the teaser for 20 seconds, right? So they have no idea. They've just seen some glimpses. So they don't know like what's going on in the office, right? Like that I manage the guys and I go to Ken and like we have a team and here's what the team does. You have an idea of, of some characters, but they don't really know what actually goes in day to day. So when they came, they're like, hey, we're just going to film. Like, do your thing, guys. And we're like, Okay, this is weird. I'm sitting on my computer just typing. 
But then we just <laughs> naturally started talking as we would. And then we started realizing, oh, some of this stuff's pretty funny. We didn't use a lot of those things. Season one yeah. is really about what we do and showing what we do. As we go on, hopefully in the future, we can start to have more fun with each other and develop a little bit more into like, because we actually have a lot. There was things we shot that I was in stitches laughing and it just didn't make sense for any episodes, but I was like, darn. Like like looking at graded VHS tapes, doing Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonations to learn one of my employees doesn't even know who Jean-Claude Van Damme is or like all sorts oh. of things. We're just like, you can't make this stuff up. But it had no, it had no place, at least in season one. So. Yeah, yeah, I love my favorite yeah. episode was cool. the the Ric Flair one. That was just awesome. And then you got all dressed up in the the outfit there. Was that was really last. Cool. That, first of all, I kind of had a sense of like celebrities coming on, but I really actually didn't know what days they were coming and what you, you had no prep. So I think on like a, mm. I learned on like a Wednesday that he was coming on Friday or whatever it was. It was like two days in advance notice, and I lived two hours from where I grew up, and I had those Team New Jersey singlets hanging in my wall in my bedroom from a childhood. It was the national team that I went to, and I kind of just always. I wore them once and hung them up. And I remember calling like my mother and being like, you need to overnight this. Rick Flair's coming in. I don't know what's going to happen. Just, I need to get the singlet. And I was like, I don't have anything here locally. And she paid a fortune to have it overnighted down to God me. Bless her. And it, we even did the scene. And I was like, it just didn't, I don't know. Like, I was like, I don't know if, if it feels right. Like with the singlet. And they're like, look, <laughs> you can do it now or not. And I'm like, what do I have to lose? Oh, like, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So it was uh, a chance to do something like that, right? Oh, yeah. That's, that's amazing. I was living vicariously through you for sure. Yeah. So, so Dave, how did you get started at Golden? Did you like collect as a kid? Just kind of like find your way into it? Or like, how'd you, how'd you end up there? Yeah, I, I was a diehard collector as a kid. I don't want to date myself too much, but as I talk, you'll probably get a sense of, of when that was. Started collecting as a kid. My grandmother took me to a local card store. I was probably seven years old, whatever it was. And my older brother collected. And he had a little jar in his room of cards and I had a jar in mine. And then I started going to the local uh, convenience store where they were just selling the packs of Fleer or whatever it was. And my jar started getting taller. And suddenly I was like, I'm going to have the biggest collection of the cards. And I didn't even watch baseball. It was baseball. And I liked the stats. I was like, oh, this guy has 2,000 hits. So I started doing things mm -hmm. like that. He ended up like not really collecting as he got older. And for me, the mid nineties hit and the Beckett form came out and we were trading. Like we were, we were starting to trade some big boy row zero, Randy Moss rookies with some longevity, Mark McGuire, 98s. And I mean, it was like, these were like two, $300 cards back then. And uh, for PSA 10, but like rookies of you know, the, the 92 stadium club, of course. So there was all sorts of, these were the hot items in the nineties and Griffey, Griffey, Tiffany rookies or whatever. And we were Ooh. trading them like wild west stamp on the envelope. 27 cents, whatever the heck it was. I hope you get my $200 card. I hope I get yours. You know what I'm saying? And most of the time it worked out and everybody was pretty cool. And I don't think there was, I'm sure there was plenty of maliciousness and things going on there. But for me, it was, it was fun to just do that. I felt like I was an adult because I was in probably middle school or maybe, yeah, I was probably middle school, maybe early high school. I was trading with what I felt were like men who had expensive items. And for me, it made me feel established. So fast forward a little eBay, eBay comes out in 98, Mark McGuire, home run right. chase. I am I'm the biggest Maguire guy and I'm buying like Beckett magazine. I'm buying any magazine with Maguire. I'm buying starting lineups. I'm buying figurines. I'm buying the rookie cards. And it got to the point where I was like, at 36 in board, like, what did I buy? So I was like, I don't even know if I could pay for this stuff. I was a high school kid. So, but just loved it. Like just obsessed. Come early 2000s, getting to college. I started getting a little bigger. Bought my first pair of like Jordan rookie game used sneakers. When I was like, wow, I could sell this to a buddy for five grand. I paid 3,500 and just started up in the game. I got some partners and stuff that like had some good collections. And we started raising money for my first auction house called Modern Marvels Auctions. 
We opened in 06 and it was out of my mother's house. I started emailing guys off of eBay, whoever had the most expensive items. The auction was designed. Here's what's crazy. Listen to this. The auction is called Modern Marvel's Auctions. It was designed for the modern high-end product that I did not see a high-end auction house doing. So the we sold the George Washington hair card, the, the Babe Ruth hair card, the Lincoln hair card. We sold the BGS 10 Joe Montana rookie card for what was $65,800, the record third highest football card sale ever at the time. I got We got on the cover of Beckett Magazine. Suddenly we got the BGS 10 Walter Payton rookie, sold it for 23,000 back in 08 now or 09, and just started doing that and building up a list. And then I had a, a kid and met my wife and it was like, like I make some money, I don't make some money. Like I was like, this is what am I gonna earn? Forty grand a year making this auction house. I was like, you know what? I'm going into finance into Wall Street. Put it all behind me and oh. went to work. And uh, after several years of just being tired of of it and seeing my buddy who was my business partner working at Rock Nation with athletes, and I was like, man, he's actually he doesn't need the money. His father's a doctor. He's just doing what he wants to do. And he was like ten years younger than me. Just quit my job. Went called Steiner Sports. Got a job as the auction. Well, I actually got a job like a regular sales guy. I was like, just get me in the door. Brought my Beckett magazines. Here's me on the cover. Got into Steiner and actually ran their auction for five years over there. And then I ended up leaving Steiner right before they got bought up by Fanatics. And I, me and Ken were talking. We put the deal together. So I was over at Golden in 2019. When I, when I started Golden, we were doing like 25 mil, which was kind of like the them and Heritage, the big boys in the game. Mm-hmm. And just last year here, we did we had our own Netflix show. And we did over 300 million in sales. And we went from 12 employees when I started to over a hundred at one point this year. Wow. That's incredible. Congratulations on that. Dollars. Congrats. My that goodness. was a wild Thanks. ride. But I just, I love what I do. I love what yeah. we do. Oh, you look like it too. You look pretty happy. <laughs> you're like living, you are absolutely <laughs> yeah. living the dream. Like yeah, you're, my, you get to all my goodies. play with some of the coolest <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, and absolutely. I mean, I'm even just reading your body language while you're telling us that story. Like you light up when, when you talk about this. So yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's, I mean, thanks I for sharing that agree, with me. Right. It's, it's, there's a long journey on whatever we do. Yeah. And we all have these visions of us doing all these things. And when I finally just stopped trying to do everything that I wasn't meant to do. And I just said like, what am I good at? What do I love? What do I want to wake up and do every day? I took 10% of the pay from finance to come at Steiner as a retail rep, basically a first year at a college job. And I never felt like I ever worked a day. I would go to shows. I'm going to a show this weekend. I haven't had a day off in three weeks. You know what I mean? I was just at the national and I was out in yeah. LA and I was, I was in Toronto. So I just, I don't ever stop. And it's nice to sit by the pool in the summer here for at least a day or see my, my mm-hmm. kids. But uh, yeah, it's just, I enjoy it. And, and it just, I don't ask for, I don't have to, it just comes now. It's just, it just, we're flowing and business is, business is great. And I'm grateful for that. That's wonderful. That's great. So I I didn't even, thank you for sharing that. Just the history of you, right? Even you starting your your own company and, and, and your journey. So you've been doing this for, for a while now, longer than I thought. And I am curious, I I was thinking of, of what, what can I pick your brain on? And one of the things that you did highlight a little bit in the show, but it's like, how do you go about scouting and finding these collections? Some of them are just like, there's obvious ones, like the Jordan rookies. Those are probably easier, but some of the, like you mentioned, like the George Washington hair cards and, and what you had on the show. I'm just curious, can you kind of go through the process of scouting things out and research? And that would be interesting. Yeah, sure. Obviously, with the auction, the beauty is you never know what's going to 
show up, right? You never know what, mm. because it's not like we go out and say, hey, we're going to go find the most random piece of, I think someone tried to email me the piece of the Rock of Gibraltar. I mean, we just <laughs> see stuff that we would never expect. Now, I think what you're saying from this point, how do we know it's real? How do we evaluate it? Why would we take it on if we don't think we can mm-hmm. perform well? And actually, those are exactly the questions that we have to ask. I've been faced with items worth nine figures recently. If I don't have a buyer, I don't think it makes sense. I don't think we're the place. I don't even want to take that risk as well for, for the seller also, which you'd never think you'd be in a position to say, hey, I have a $15 million item. I have a $60 million item. We have several of these. We have them under contract, some of them. And we're like, I just don't know. Like in the auction, what's going to happen? And we don't want to disappoint expectations as well. But there's also, like you said, the authentication part for us, right? We use third parties with everything. So as much as I know a lot and a little about a lot, right? There are probably areas I'd certainly be considered an expert, but there's also things that I deal with that when (laughs) I've taken everything in from Confederate Army swords, I probably had 12 leads for guns in the last three weeks, which I don't even know where it's coming from. Anything from early 1800s to pistols, not even in this country that are famous for doing certain things or to movie props. So everything, there's, there's professionals and we've aligned with a lot of different ones throughout the the process because we don't ever want to sell something that's going to ultimately in a year or two or five come back and hurt us. And we had some pieces recently that I, me and Ken talked and I looked through the auction. I said, Ken, it wasn't live yet. I said, look, I get it. Like this is the standard of the industry. Maybe even our competitors are doing this. I said, I also know that our competitors have sold some things that I've had problems with myself and said, this isn't from that year. Or, you know what I'm saying? I said, and we mm-hmm. never want to be in that scenario. So as much as I like that they're doing that and we want to be like everybody, we also don't want to ever be in a situation we're not comfortable with. It's not worth any amount of money. I don't give a hundred million dollars, walk through the door tomorrow. And I knew it could be an issue in a few years. I would say no, I would say no. But you know, again, finding the third parties, right? John Taubin Bats, PSA, Beckett Cards, SGC, JSA, PSA, Beckett all come to our warehouse once a month, pretty much. So everybody is reviewing these items. I have third-party art groups that do appraisals and things like that, that'll do some due diligence on even artwork. If I have a high-end piece of artwork, I've aligned myself with some people that can at least tell me, yeah, I'd sell this, or I wouldn't. Obviously, stones, rings, right? There's different authenticators for gems. So Letters of provenance are important. Game use authenticators, photo matching services, right? There's so many. But if it becomes down to the point where even boxing, we have boxing authenticator who will authenticate boxing posters now. So it's great to have that. There's a little cost to that service. But when you buy something, you want to be able to take it and maybe bring it to an eBay or wherever you bring it and have that documentation that says this is good. I cannot tell you how many collections I've seen. Oh, this came from the estate of Ella Fitzgerald or this came from Maryland. Okay, do I have to photo match it to a, a catalog from 96? Like, like to me, there's nothing. Oh, there's a little tag on the thing. Again, I want that doc with the photo that says this is good, that in 50 years I can sell anywhere and they'll all accept it. So we have to maintain that standard. And that might be why some of the pricing, look, you got to pay a little bit for those services, but maybe we start seeing pricing increasing and you're saying, oh, look at those numbers. It's like, yeah, because we're doing everything first. We're doing all the right steps. You don't have to do anything after you buy from us. Now, look, you can. You might say, hey, I wanted to grade that auto or I wanted to remove that auto grade or whatever the case may be there. There's always things to do. But for someone who's been doing this as long as I have, if I'm looking at our auction preview and I see I would do this or I would do that if I bought it, guess what? I'm going to do that before it gets to the auction because I don't want it showing up three months later 
with something going on to it and my seller saying, man, this guy doubled me up because you didn't know what to do. So that's very important for us as well. And as you guys sure. know, a lot of different things you can do. You can regrade cards. There's mm-hmm. nothing is set in stone, right? Mm-hmm. Earlier, you were describing all the benefits that a buyer is going to get by all the authentication methods you go yes. through, but the seller is going to also get those. And that's a service you probably provide them. That's right. So, yeah. so got it. Yeah. So, so what I was saying was, I learned though throughout doing that process, right? A, that the, the, the auction was making, but B, oh, wait, I could buy this and I can do this to it and I can resell it because I did something to it. So I started knowing and learning like, hey, that jersey's game issued, at least if not game used, I can buy it as a, whatever this guy's selling it as, I can try to photo match it, I can get it game used authenticated. And and I started noticing like there was stuff like that all the time. People didn't know what they had, right? So I was, as a buyer, buying it and actually improving the value, right? Perfect scenario is, home run baseball right like uh, without a photo of you or a match of it what is the home run baseball become right there's probably babe ruth baseballs that are in the trash all over the place because you you lose the story right so i writing a provenance if i get someone to write a provenance then i take it to an authenticator with the provenance and i make sure the provenance adds up and we have proof we get proof about that then we get additional authentication and then we pay for that service we put we notarize the letters you put it all together and now you're like okay, like I trust that ball and I trust that story and my authenticator trusts it and the the stickers match up and everything lines up and works. So we're able to do that. So I'm able to tell, like if you just sold the, we just sold the Pete Maravich, great story. We just sold the Pete Maravich photo match preseason jersey. That came from a great source. That guy told me, hey, I have a Richie Guyron jersey who's a Hall of Fame coach, right? He wore number mm-hmm. 19 for the Hawks. Okay. That's not a bad jersey. But wait a minute. Pete Maravich came up with 19, and then out of respect for Rich, who who is his coach, switched to 44 early in the season. So he had a 44 jersey also, which he cherished, but he had this other jersey that was the coach's jersey. We photo-matched it to a preseason game of one of the earliest Pete Maravich jerseys, and we just got him $75,000 for the item. So that is a perfect example. So he did not even know what he had. And we put it through the photo matching channel. We could have gotten him years or something, which we actually did with his Pete Maravich jersey. So we have that one going through a different service for him. So we actually have, we were able to turn something that he thought was someone else's jersey even to a photo matched item because we did that. If we didn't do that, someone else would have, and he would have sold it for 10, 15 grand. And he would have probably been happy with the money until he saw that jersey show up years later as yeah. one of the earliest Pete Maravich jerseys ever. So far that is what we can do for people is when they bring the items to us, I helped someone identify a Mickey Mantle jersey when he showed me a minor league jersey recently because I said, no, they sent it down after the season. You can see the tags. They only use those tags. Gave him all this info. Fortunately, he didn't get it. He went to a competitor with it. But I told him what he had, and that's when he said, oh, shoot, maybe I should call whoever. So, But at the very least, I was able to identify the items for them and, and whatnot. So, yeah, that's that's kind of just being, being experienced, what we can do if somebody comes to us. You buy a card, you send it in, it comes back as altered, I, I can't tell you how many cards I've seen come back as altered that I know were packed, pulled or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Things just happen. They maybe, mm-hmm. and you end up going through the process enough where you're like, no, you feel, you believe in it. If you sell that card, it is, it's two grand. Let's regrade it. Let's have them relook. Let's tell the story. Now it comes back in eight. It's 30 grand card. We just saved $28,000 from someone who would have accepted whatever grade they got because they would have thought that that was the end all. So we don't mind if one authenticator doesn't like a signature, calling a second, calling a third, and like really seeing because 
I respect all of their opinions. And as long as uh, a very opinionated person who is an expert in the hobby is stands behind it with his reputation, his company, that's why we invest in authentications from these people. Right. Yeah, it's, it's interesting right. because you we know our stuff in this hobby. We know all the third-party authenticators, the lingo, what to do, how to add value to cards. But a lot of listeners are, are noobs, right? Like they are they're new players in, in the hobby and they they don't realize you can take a card and if it looks like it's a PSA 10, take a shot. Take a shot for a hundred bucks, 150 bucks. And if you nail it- Even if it's graded it an eight, it. even yeah. if it's already graded right. an eight. You it's know, still going to be more than- Don't yeah. look at the holder. Don't look at the holder. It's uh, something else that's crazy is you get one authenticator who fails a signature, but somehow it's an early signature. Maybe he did not, was, couldn't identify. And in the other company, I, I myself almost threw in the trash a handful of Michael Jackson signed albums because they weren't passing. And I only was having one company look at them. And I knew I can't. I've got them from a good source. And it wasn't until one day I had a different company at Steiner. And I said, let me bring those albums up. And I showed it to him. He goes, those are great. And we suddenly were selling them for three grand. And I was about to th- trash them. So just, yeah, not giving up on your items. I know guys that will not give up on pieces for decades if they believe yeah. it's good. And you shouldn't if you believe. You just got to make sure you, you do the right things. Yeah, I've been down that road mm-hmm. with vintage cards. One one authenticator fails it. Second one fails it. Third one's like, it's good. I'm like, oh, good. I was saved by the last one. Because for me, I'm set building. So I want the okay. card authenticated. So Dave, it was, what was interesting to me, last week we focused a bit on auction houses and kind of how they work, the benefits they provide, the hobby. And I talked kind of about the, the Wild West before PSA. And you kind of alluded to that in the beginning. I, for me personally, I bought a lot of stuff at Golden. I've actually got three Jordan rookie autos right here. So we've got the 57, the autos in ballpoint, so it's a little tricky. And I've got a sticker too. So I've got the full 86 Fleer autograph set. And I wanted to say that it was important for me to buy that Michael Jordan rookie card at a respectable auction house, because I know, as you were talking to earlier, that if something gets messed up, you kind of, you're a backstop, right? Like you'll always take care of it. Something turns out to not be good or whatever. So I was literally only comfortable buying a PSA new label, Michael Jordan rookie card directly from Golden pretty much. So I just wanted to hear in your own words, what makes, so obviously the listeners know what eBay is, right? Like you go on, there's auctions, you can, you can post stuff on eBay in like a minute, but what, what's the, what's the benefit of Golden or what sets you apart from like the eBays of the world or Heritage or PWCC or something like that? Yeah, great question. I think to address your first concern with some of the other companies, we all know the PSA holder situation going on a decade ago, right? With, with all these slabs and who knows, they're still probably floating around out there. Guys are good with technology and they can make it look pretty good. And the car could even be real. Could be a seven, right? Could be an eight. I almost bought a PSA 10 Jordan in 2015, and I was trying to find the best of price. I probably could have saved three grand going here or there. And at the time it was 15 grand because in my mind, I said, that's a hundred K car. And I've seen this too many times and you get it and you hold on to it for a decade or two, right? And you've waited and you've had this, you made this great buy and it's worth a hundred times what you paid. And here you go to sell it. And all of a sudden that's a bad holder. You know what I'm saying? Now, granted, if mm. PSA made an error or anything, PSA will cover the situation. So that's, but but that's PSA. If someone's faking their holders, you, you know what I'm saying? Like if PSA authenticates a card that wasn't real, that's different. But if someone copied or, or manipulated their holder, you might get past somebody. 
So you're going to have to go chase somebody down 10, 20 years later. eBay or third-party selling software is only going to say go after the seller, right? If we sold something in our auction that was an issue, it would never even be a question about that. Obviously, again, with, with the auction houses, you have the third-party authenticators that you trust, but there's a different level behind that. If the card is straight counterfeit or there's a major issue with the item and it was misauthenticated or it was mislabeled, we're standing behind that. Additionally, when you buy something and you want to get it in the mail, right? There's a lot of fraud going on right now with shipping and things. I've lost cases where I never got an item and I just, oh, I put two in the same package. I got one of the two. Maybe you did and I didn't see it. I doubt it. But I've lost eBay cases like that. So for us, making sure you, like you said, Jordan Rookie signature. I mean, that's that's a, that's definitely one that I've seen. And I think in the past, we've all seen when you see things show up on a website that doesn't look right, you can't really trust a lot that's going on in that site to begin with. But having that third party helping with the shipping, we have the vault as well to store things in also. Mm. But in terms of choosing us between some of other competitors, A, longevity is important, right? We're owned by collectors. In 10 years, Golden's going to be around. You know what I'm saying? It's, mm. it's in 20 years. You know what I mean? It's all about the key, though, with Golden. I learned of Golden when they first started in 2012 because we had the Pete Rose contract that banned Pete from baseball. And it was on like the news. It was on ESPN. And it was, I remember seeing this and I was looking for a John Carlos Stanton Jersey. And he was 2012. There was like none around. He'd only come up for a year or two and nobody was selling yet. He was a kid who was mashing the ball. No one was even thinking of him. And Golden had one in the first auction. I was Googling and it just popped up golden. I was like, Oh, this auction ends in nine days. And I was like, Oh wait, this is the Pete Rose auction. So I watched the auction. I watched it close and these Jeter bats were going for like triple what they ever went for because Ken had this Rolodex of like TV buyers and scoreboard guys and guys that had money and that just didn't know the hobby or didn't, you know what I'm saying? Didn't, was, weren't like diehard, like they were just casual, like big money guys. And honestly, that's good. It was for five grand. Who cares? You know what I mean? If the items were two grand, if you get the right item, guess what? Those guys all made money on those purchases anyway, because they bought good stuff, but they spent more. And all of a sudden I said, whoa, like, and not to mention ESPN exposure, so I said, look, look, Golden, let me send some stuff over to Golden. So I was actually one of the earlier consigners with Golden. I started selling there. And when I talked to Ken, he told me his philosophy was always to get the media exposure. Every auction, we had to have a lot. That was, everyone was going to say, what the heck is this thing? Did you see this thing? It's going to end up on ESPN. Ken was on Fox News today. It's all about promotions. And I think when we finally, outside of us just really going hard on the promotions, when I, when I left Steiner, Auction was a smaller part of their business. They had the partnerships with the Yankees and everything, but I always had to like twist the arm to get the nice print catalog or the extra Mm. spend here or there. And like, I went to Golden. I was like, hey, can we do X, Y, and Z? He's like, write the check, done. And I never had to go back to a seller and say, hey, we didn't promote or we didn't like put 110% into making sure our auctions that Ken loses sleep every night because he thinks something's not going to perform well or something's going to happen. And he's not just worried about the auction. He's worried about the hobby the the business, everything. If we have a sale because we idiotically wanted to make money and put 10 of the same Jordan rookie PSA 10 in one auction and we didn't care and we said we have them, we're going to sell them and we're going to have a nice check at the end of the month and we just took the market down half, we wouldn't never want to do that. There was one time we had, I think Ken even made a post, we had like 30 Jordan rookie PSA 10s and when the market was going crazy and we had to sell two every auction for the next like year and we didn't ever, we had the option to put them all out right there. We tried to private sell a couple. It's a problem that people are like, man, you have people have no idea when they say, man, you put two of the same or three of this. I'm like, guys, 
We probably did that because we had nine. I was like, and just, and if there's a card limited to 25, there's no saying we might not have 10 of it in our building. I mean, it's just the demand and then the supply. It's there. People, they want to use golden. And then obviously fast forward a little bit. Let's make a TV show, right? Let's get beyond <laughs> what we're doing. It's all about getting scrappy, getting creative. Brent Steiner and Ken Golden, both like very creative. Let's get in the stadiums. Let's do this. You don't think I've been in Yankee Stadium in, in Philadelphia, wherever, handing out auction flyers and getting in these different things. It's always just being different. And, and, and for me as an old school collector, that was hard to swallow. I was like, but I can't sell a Yogi Berry jersey for $800. They, you can buy them for 300 the guy wants to buy it because he knows it's real. He's going to pay a premium. And us learning that and just getting the exposure out there, I think, is really the difference. I think some of our competitors do a great job. Some fans and friends with many of them. I just feel like if I'm going to put my stuff out there, though, I want to make sure there's more traffic on that site. There's more eyeballs. We're net. Our auctions right now, I mean, the weeklies get pretty big, but it's, it's middle of the road items. But our elite auctions right now are 400 lots, 420 lots. It's not. And that runs for a month. I mean, that is some premier exposure, whether or not we have three or four different elites on different categories running. I mean, these, some of these lots have 15,000 views. I mean, it's, it's, it's exceptional. So that's, that's the key to getting money is having more people know about the items and it will lead to better bets. So that's all it is. Just more people have to know what you got. So that's really what we do is outside of being professional and knowing the hobby, when people reach out and understanding that, I think a lot of people are like, you know what, whether this guy is an absolute expert or not. He knows how to get eyeballs on the website. He knows how to get the yeah. people to spend the money. So like, that's really what we need to do for our, for our, there's no seller that's going to complain about that. You can give it the greatest write up in the world. And trust me, we want to, and we can't, but there's no seller going to complain about millions of people wanting. Of course you have to give it that beautiful write up. You have to, if it's an MVP season, you got to note that, right? If it's a rookie, you have to note that. If it's a SSP or a limited, you, you have to note that. If it's a good low population, you have to hit the keys, of course, when you're describing the items. But part of why we're successful as well is if you email us anytime, any day, 24-7, we are trained to get back to you within like 24 hours. When honestly, even 24 hours is a little long. So there's no point can somebody not reach out and say, Dave, hey, can you tighten that image with a different exposure? Dave, you know what? Can you add this statement, this sentence? I think it's important for me. We're here. We're here to work with you. You know what I'm saying? To get the most. If mm -hmm. I think it's going to hurt you, I'll let you know. But, you know, we're we're here, to, we're here to do the work. I don't know if you guys ever tried to ship 100 items that you sold yourself on eBay, but if you got an extra eight hours to spare and 50 manila envelopes, then great. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't, we don't have that time. Definitely not. So I, I was jotting down themes. Themes I wrote down were attention to detail, exposure, honesty, and just simply a white glove treatment. That, that, that's kind of what I was trying to kind of put put some of put put some of what you were saying together. So yeah, I mean, I think that's one. The, these are all kind of themes that set you guys apart for sure. They are. You got, um, the, you got the secret formula, man. <laughs> secret <laughs> formula. That's it. I am curious because you, you kind of touched on it a bit, like how especially Ken wants to like push the envelope, right? And why don't we do a Netflix series, right? And and and, and some of the things he's doing. What what's on the horizon for Golden, especially like you guys getting innovative? Like, and I, I want you to talk about this for sure. But one of the things I, I just downloaded, I think it was last week was the new app that you guys came up with, the the, the golden app. So I, I downloaded that. I've been messing around with that for the past couple of weeks. So if you could touch on that and then if you could tease anything else, I'd be curious on kind of other any other innovative things you guys are working on, Dave. 
Yeah, sure. Well, there's there's two school of thoughts at Golden, or there's been, right? Now, you have collectors, very technology-driven, very savvy group of people that really are looking at analytics and figuring out what what's the formula for success. Obviously, an app is, a, is, a, is something that is essential in today's world, and you can do a lot of things from it quicker and a little bit easier, and it's going to continue to improve. We got off of our old software a couple of years ago because we never thought we'd have the problem, but the auction would just slow down at the end. And sometimes we had a few bad experiences. There's nothing like working on an auction close night with 10 million of product and having to extend another day because it just, well, there's too many people on the site and the, the server can't handle that. We did our job. Like we brought the people there. The software failed us. So we designed our own and we actually acquired the software and we're always building and improving it daily. And that's the good thing about your own software is you can continue to build on it and it's only going to get better. And there's always features that were like, hey, we used to have this or we did, we should have this and we can do that now. And we'll always be able to have that. Nobody's got the, the software because it's it's our own. So that obviously is something that you'll continue to see improvement on there as we go. The software is two years old. I mean, granted, we were doing auctions for a decade before that. But it's continued to, you'll see different things. The golden balance feature now where you get paid and it shows up right in your balance and you can use that to buy things. You can send it to your own bank account. This way you don't have to wait for a paper check, you know, that when the money clears, you have it. You'll get an email alert. I see it now. I'll leave my emails. Oh, your payment cleared. It's like, oh, I have money in my golden balance. Like I could bid on the auctions or I could just send it to my bank. And when it gets there, it gets there. Or I could just leave it there or whatever I want to do. So we have, we've been continually doing things like that, but really I think the key for Golden moving forward for right now, 2013 on, is getting back to our roots. Getting back to our roots. Has everybody seen, oh, the weekly auctions are great. The vault is there. We've got the marketplace. We're going to, the golden balance. There's all sorts of things. Our roots are the upper, the high-end market of the, the sports memorabilia and collectibles industry and getting the most money for the best possible items out there. If it means running 400 lots a month instead of 4,000 or 40,000, that's what we want to do. So right now, the misconception is probably the opposite because you've been seeing for a year, hey, Golden went from doing these 12 elite auctions or five elite or three or two elite auctions a year to running 54 weekly auctions, thematic auctions, auctions in comics, non-sports, video games, and then sports and then sports elites and then vintages. And you're just like, there's a lot. We've reduced the schedule. The schedule at the beginning of the year had probably 70 auctions. The auction now, we're only going to finish out the year. We're getting another four or five elite auctions. We had the Golden 100 auction, which is the biggest 100 items. That auction just launched a week ago, and we're, geez, we're probably 15 million in bids, and it's 50 items. And that's what we want to be all about. We want to be able to give somebody that environment because that environment's hard to get and it's hard to deliver on and we have done that successfully and we want to continue to do that there's higher stakes there's more pressure when you're dealing with more expensive items if something goes wrong it goes wrong worse right but that's what we've always done and we've always done well and i've done the opposite i've worked in a setting where we were weekly auctions trying to be that that other and for me to confidently say now and with ken ken is now our ceo ken if you didn't know uh, there was a period when collectors invested where we had a ceo and after a year or two they saw the direction and said okay we can like obviously like i came to golden because i work for brandon steiner i me and bill mastro talked a lot i just studied like just like i studied encyclopedias of baseball that you see behind me when i was a young kid i just studied the hobby and i wanted to be the best auctioneer and i just like and I, I don't know why right and i said Ken Golden, like, I got to see this guy. I got to see what he's about. 
And to have him here and not have him calling all the shots for a few year period to me is crazy. And now that Ken is like, here's what we're going to do. I mean, the the office, the, the environment, we are just roaring and having fun and we are just getting bigger and better things. I mean, and, and if you came into the office or even saw the setting now, it's a friendly environment. You can come in. There's like part studio there. There's, we have a studio built in, but you got the big, it looks like a modern new age office instead of when I got there and it was like this tiny apartment, but just, just us having fun every day, coming into work and, and building the biggest and best. So I think when you're going to be looking at the site, yeah, look, the weekly is going to be there. It's great. It's a great way to move some pieces out. And, but, but we we've up the threshold now from $5, the minimum bids are going to go up to $10 eventually in the near future, instead of five. And we, we want the minimum value to be at least like $50 for items to, in the weekly, because you get a 1200 lot gap of these early nineties cards and you lose visibility on your 300 and $500 items. And we want those to stand back up. So for the weeklies, we're going to raise the, the minimum threshold for the elites though. Same thing. We're going to focus on them. We're going to focus the marketing and all the attention on them. And obviously the week we have our own content team in there. So we're always marketing, getting people to the site though, getting people to the site, not through $12 cards, getting people to the site because we have these impossible to find one of a kind items and then letting them buy the $12 cards while they're there as well. But really focusing on, on the high end is what you will see from gold and hopefully for, for a long time to come. And who knows, right? As far as the technologically technological advances, we'll see. We're going to come up with some things. We've got a great team. We're, we're thinking of new things every day, but honestly, just having the best product, having the best items and the rarest pieces is our focus. So we're, uh, we're focused on scouring the globe for those pieces. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun seeing what you guys are up to and it's fun seeing the whole hobby progress and everything. So Dave, I had one, one quick question before we got into the 86 Fleer set behind me. What do you think is going to be hot next year. So we all know NBA's hot and football's hot and even soccer to some extent worldwide. And but there's all sorts of fads that come up and down type two photos or type one photos I'm seeing are kind of interesting right now. What do you think is something that's just under the radar that might pop in the next year or something like that? That's a great question. That's honestly usually what I spend a lot of my time focusing on. Now I've been so busy with everything else that I haven't been diving in myself to these newer trends. So one thing you'll see behind me here is a graded DVD. Huh. This is the, okay. the release from the, the Academy. So buying a regular DVD, you can find anywhere, but the Academy releases some of the DVDs that are rare. I have the 300 Academy release. I've got doing the beast Academy release, been going through th things like that and they're graded. They're cheap too, but I think that's that's going to be something to look out for. It's just like the cassette tapes. I think we've this cassette tapes kind of came already. We called mm -hmm. it, or my friend, one of my guys, Jared, who works with us here, said, "Dave, look at cassette tapes." Just like he was looking at Pogs a year ago. I still won't look at Pogs, but who knows who might? <laughs> I think people are going to start grading those. The cassette mm -hmm. tapes, when they started grading them, were big. I bought a bunch of the classics, and it was fun. It's fun because you're like, I remember listening to this. But the problem is, if you didn't grow up on cassettes, which is very possible as we move forward here, that's going to be a short window. And I think video games, yeah, they're still out there, but I think that window, we don't know because only so many people grew up playing the things. And it's only what you really remember, right? That, right. that you think is really going to take off. Yeah. The type one photos are, are insane right now. I think it's not top of the market, but I think there's probably room. I mean, it's giving right. me NFT vibes. That's all. That's uh, all I'm no, gonna I, say. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I, I, would, I wouldn't say that because A, you can touch it. But but B, because 
I've been wanting to get like a Shoeless Joe Jackson photo and some famous images since I was, geez, 20 years ago. And they were five grand. And I said, they got nowhere to go, right? They're five grand. It's a cool photo, but it's a photo. They're hundred grand. Now. And I just, I should have got it because I wanted it, right? I think the key is get what you like and what mm-hmm. you want, because if you like it, other people will. Mm-hmm. Um, graded magazines, they've already seen them coming up. I think they got plenty of room, something that I'm onto that nobody's looking at. And I'll give you my secret. Debut programs. Debut tickets got hot. What happened to debut programs? Right? Like I can go buy yeah. on debut programs in mint condition for four hundred bucks. Like from his mm-hmm. debut, like go find me a Jordan debut program. So there's only so many of them, right? So I think that's a that's a huge opportunity as well. Game use continues to to get hot and stay hot. Yeah, I mean I, who that's knows, good. right? Whatever they grade next, whatever they start grading next is, is something to always look for. So I would keep in touch or I would keep an eye on like the IGSs and the other E's and, and CASs and all those grading companies just to kind of see what's on the horizon. And honestly, like, look, if you're really into it, talk to those guys. Say, hey, look, I'm going to buy some stuff. What should I buy? <laughs> right? Like, or what What are you going to start grading soon? I do that. Hey, you're going to start grading mm-hmm. double cassettes soon. They don't do the double cassettes. I don't know if you notice that behind me. I think that's it's ridiculous and I'm a little old for it. But one of my employees, Ryan, who's also on the show, is a big Justin Bieber guy. And I'm like, you know what? He has a good point. Like, if he is, a lot of people are. So I got his first CD unopened, like mint condition. I was like, I don't know, right? Like, they're going to, I think they grade CDs now also. So sure. CDs could be the next thing too, because you get a rare CD. A lot, how many, how many of us grew up, right? With the CD in the car, driving oh, around. Yeah, like, of course. Spinning oh, yeah. around on the Walkman, skipping away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had the tape deck plugged in with the portable CD player, like really old school. Oh, yeah. To it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, what is that thing in your car? Yeah, no, if we're grading DVDs, it's like they're antiques oh. now. Oh, that was crazy. the other thing, right? Hey, it's better than records where you're carrying the things around, but like the binder yeah. CDs. Yeah, I used to DJ like during yeah. the CD era, so like I had a CD binder. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. yeah, that's, that's great. I'm starting to feel old. <laughs> that's crazy. So but look, I'm, and, and now I have kids. So my oldest is 13. I've got a Minecraft here, the number one graded copy, because I was like, that's the game that the kids are playing. Like, so I'm always watching, like, what are you playing right now? Oh, Roblox. Okay. What do you, and, and that's maybe way future, but yeah, way future's coming up soon enough too. Yeah. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So Dave, mm-hmm. I think when I reached out, we were super excited to get you on just to, cause we talked about auction houses and it was, this is really cool to hear kind of behind the curtain what's happening. But I was also thinking practical <laughs> reason to have you on. We've got, so I've got behind me, I, I have a pretty extensive NBA collection, mostly autographs. And I put this together pretty much by hand over the past year. I've got every 1986 Fleer card, NBA autographed in Sharpie, dual graded PSA, new label. Not only that, but I've also got 20 checklists signed, each of them by the referees from that season, also in PSA, new label, plus David Stern and Jerry West and stuff. So I won't put you on the spot in terms of like, what's the value or something like that, but how would you go about valuing this set? Like if I came to you and said, hey, I want to maybe put this in an auction in the next quarter or month or something like that. Yeah, I mean, the valuation service is a, is a big part of our jobs and it's important, right? The first thing I always tell everybody is like, look, you never know, right? You never know what's going to happen. My main job is to get the eyeballs and, and the value will come. Mm-hmm. So I never have to sit there and say, look, we're going to land between this, this and this and it's guaranteed, right? It's good to get a sense because if I'm thinking 90 grand, you're thinking 100 grand, I'm already thinking we're, we're not close, right? So that's that's always important. 
I actually, I'm a member of the International Society of Appraisers. So during the appraisal studies and during writing appraisal reports, we have to find comparables, right? So the first key is comparables. Card Ladder is a great resource for comparables. I used to always be a big fan of like an eBay pass sales, right? But Card Ladder goes back mm-hmm. way longer and it has the eBay pass sales as well. So Card Ladder is a great way. It's a lot of ways that we evaluate cards for advances or things like that, like we're doing for auctions. I can what I usually do is I'll state some sales. Hey, we, we got X for, for this, or we got Y for that. When I just kind of throw out some, some senses. Context is important. Just because I got X for this or Y for that doesn't mean it was the exact same. And at the same time, when, when was that? Was that at the absolute height of the market when we had the best auction ever? And for some reason, it was when yeah. the Netflix show aired and we had 20,000 more people on the site. Like everything is different, right? Like I've seen auctions on certain sites not do great. And all of a sudden one where you have this big player collection, everything will crazy, right? So like all of that's important and, and, and we can provide that context. Hey, this happened here, but just an FYI, remember this was the time when this was going on. So, but, but then to guess essentially, right? Cause that's really what it is. It's, it's actually an opinion. Valuation mm-hmm. is an opinion, mm-hmm. understanding that that's what that is. And yes, it's an educated opinion, but you know, like if everyone was right and we were always right, then what's the point of putting it out there and going to auction? Right? Like a perfect example. I, I bought out of an auction house a printing plate of something. I was like a Wizard of Oz. And I paid 150 I was I told someone 250 said, no, thank you. I said, all right, let me put it in auction, see what happens. 2500 bucks. I was way off in a good way. And that's why I went to auction because wow. I couldn't make up a number, right? So let's talk about your set, right? Are there any identical sets of yours out there? No, of course, because everyone is different number graded. They're not all the same. Even if everyone was a PSA 10, there's different levels of PSA 10s as well. And that will be the easy way. You've got autographs. Some of those cards I would imagine are extremely, extremely low populations as well. But even the two or three that might exist or or five or 10, they're going to be different variations with different card and subcard grades. So you have something that is unique in probably a million combinations, a hundred million combinations of ways, right? So that's important. Obviously, what are our keys? Let's look at the keys first. So the Jordans, these are the stickers included, obviously. The centering on those keys. You could sit here and tell me it's got a six auto and a seven card grade, and that that centering could be rough. You know what I'm saying? Or that auto could be a really faded six, right? Like, or seven. So, So there's so many factors like that that we have to weigh in. So obviously, the rarer the items get, the the harder and more impossible it is. Now, I have something that is just, for me, it's a hunch, right? If something feels like good and I feel like we're going to be in there, I don't mind expressing that. Like, hey, look, I don't know if this thing's worth 50K or 500K, but I'm going to treat it like it's 500K because I believe someone's willing to pay that for this item. Then that's how I'm going to approach it. Now, obviously, you're telling me, but my expectation is 75. You know what? Then I'm great. I feel great about putting this thing on the block, right? Mm. If I'm thinking here and you're thinking there, maybe I'll get disappointed and end up where you're thinking or close to that anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So just making sure we're aligned is the biggest thing. But again, in terms of the appraisal and writing the appraisal report part, which I don't write appraisal reports for auction items, like we don't go through that whole process, but I've had to write appraisals for many different things and estates and, and things like that, and insurances, of course. The appraisal, you're just basically, yeah, you're using the resources, the comparables to make that educated guess. And basically you're stating the comparables and you're showing those three, five examples. You're using all relevant examples over the last few year periods. So you're not excluded. Now, if something again was horrible, this auction closed on Christmas day, Okay, and that thing sold for half, we could probably throw that example out, although it would still technically have to be in the report as an example, we can say, but I don't think this is the value because 
That was Christmas Day when the auction happened. And by the way, that auction house has 12 subscribers. I don't know why they went there. But whatever the case mm-hmm. may be, right? Like you can always mention that. But yeah, like so so I've seen some sets sell, right? So we can certainly we can certainly elude. Now I've I think though the key though starting there's two things here, right? So individual breakout value, how do you want to sell it, right? Are we selling it as one big set with the stickers and everything and we're going all crazy and going all big and we're gonna be a top five, ten lot? Or are we gonna see let's see what we get for the Jordan, right? Are we gonna are we gonna see how that goes? Are we gonna take that approach? So I think there's two different approaches to selling, and that's also important. Like I can see the collection the same way somebody else does, and I might get you 50K and they might get you 10K. And that's only because I graded cards they would have never sent in. I did things that maybe somebody else wouldn't have done. And I am, when it comes to like chiseling for value, I'm the guy that takes like the minty looking 1980s rookie cards and says, we're going to PSA with 10 of these, 100 of these things. And I will pop nines and tens all day and get 40 grand out of what a box of what you would have paid 2,000 bucks for out of it. Because I, I, I love it. For me, every opportunity is like that set. We have one chance to make the most of, of the money. So how do we do that? You know, how do we bring light? That is, a, it's, look, the thing is 132 cards plus the stickers, right? How do you show off like 100, you know, 150 pieces in one auction? That's a lot of scans front and back. So we got to see all of that. Maybe let's do a video, right? Like we've got the content team. We can do a video exposure. What do we do with that video? Do we put that video on social media like you see a lot of our videos? And, and will that help the value? All those things that we can do and offer are all services that we can say, hey, like, I think this is the right recipe to get you to that number that you're looking and hoping for. And if I think we're too far apart, then maybe maybe it's not for us. But yeah, I'd hate to I'd hate to start throwing numbers out no, at no, you no. now. You don't need to do uh, that. But I, I'm sure, look, the one thing I can say about that is I've sold some in the past. I've sold some sets. I actually lost some money selling a Jordan signed uh, rookie card. Believe it or not, I lost like 10 grand. It was one of my worst <laughs> flips ever. And I guarantee that card's worth oh, 10x what I sold. I don't know. I, I probably should have regraded some things and done some things on that. But that card to me, I bought it for a reason. I bought it because it's one of the best cards and it's autographed. And, and people, it's extremely desirable. He's not signing them anymore. So this set has some cards in it of some key Hall of Fame rookies, but including the Jordans that you just simply can't get. Mm-hmm. So I think no matter what price you pay today for that set or somebody does, they're going to look back and name their price. And there's always going to be a guy who who's going to name a price. And we've seen that with the worldwide exposure and then the things you've seen in charity auctions. There's always going to be some figure that you're like, I didn't think that was possible. Yeah. So don't don't settle for a number that, that you don't think it is. And if you're feeling like you're not sure if it's a good sale, then you'd say, you know what? I'm not sure. Let's go to the auction. I've a few times had guys want to buy things privately or things like that. And we ultimately decided to go to the auction and man, oh, they wish we sold it privately. You know what I'm saying? Like wow. they, they had to pay a lot more, but that's why, because they didn't want to mm-hmm. go through that. So if a buyer is trying to keep you away from that process, but at the same time, for me, if that number sounds so good and there's no risk for you, and it just feels like the right move at the right time. Makes sense. You got to yeah. do what you feel. Is I think best. the key you know, that yeah, you said was alignment. You can gamble, gamble. Right. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Dave. So we've got one final a lot, question. A lot of risk. Yeah, no. Well, I no, yeah, it. Dave. Dave, thank you. Because selfishly, I'm building the set too. <laughs> I'm 19 <laughs> cards away and I have a lot of the difficult ones left. So really, it's, it's kind of come down to laziness on these last 19. So this is very very educational i, yeah, I really yeah. appreciate one it. card that would have been a monster right where's the len bias 86 fleer sign card right i mean oh, that would have just been it. the craziest thing of all time oh as as, as as two as two boston celtics fans and the season ticket holders yeah that one that one hits home right Definitely. there 
Yeah. That would have yeah, been, I just thought, I've been thinking about that. I was like, man, could you imagine if that like made it in, right? Like, and somehow, yep. and he got to sign a couple of, like that oh, would have been crazy. crazy. <laughs> that would have been impossible to follow. <laughs> so Dave, we asked this for, with, with every guest. If you could get a coffee an hour or two with any sports figure ever, living or not here anymore, who would it be and why? I mean, my all-time favorite is Mark McGuire. Just because of the time, just what he did. I was a home, I'm a home run guy. I'm a big, I'm like John Carlos Stanton McGuire. Like I just like the home runs. But then again, like, do I want a cup of coffee with McGuire and then leave thinking, man, like I'm disappointed. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I almost don't want to have, like that would have to be my pick, but I'm almost like, maybe there's somebody else that like is really cool. And I know I'd like have the greatest cup of coffee with. But, like, I've still never actually met. I've been in plenty of rooms with plenty of guys and sold many collections and really got a great network of athletes. I work with Cal Ripken. I've helped Willie Randolph. I helped Yogi Berra. I helped a lot of these. You know, Seller Clark Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The list goes on and on. Never met McGuire. Never crossed paths at a show. Never bumped into him. So still, it's still on the, the list of to-dos while, I'm, while I got time. That's a good answer. Well, I have to say. That's, that's great. For me. Yeah, that's you know, great. Peak baseball was the, that 99 All-Star game was just unbelievable with Ted Williams out there. Mm-hmm. McGuire and Sosa just slamming balls past the monster. It was just incredible. Like, that was a good moment for baseball. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it's it's, it's it doesn't get better. But really, and it's a shame that, like, these guys aren't in the hall and their stuff doesn't sell for more. There's right. so many things. But a lot of lessons learned, I think, for everybody here, you know, even in the hobby as well with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Dave, how? Yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh yeah, go ahead. No, I think I think you're gonna go there too, Nick. So you can, <laughs> you can take it. <laughs> so now, if anybody wants to consign something with you, or they've got an interesting item and they're listening, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Do that. I mean, for me, my email, direct email, Dave at Golden.co, easiest way. But if you're just looking to consign on Golden, you want to upload some pictures. You actually, there's a consign or a sell tab right on the site. You click that, you log into your account, you create an account, and then you could put an image, an item, a valuation. And actually, I get 100% of all of those come right to me. So I am the fortunate one that during the episodes when we're getting 800 a day, trying to figure out which of my guys are getting what beanie baby or what whatever the heck this thing is or that. But yeah, so so going to the site, there's a lot of different ways you can see how to sell right on there on golden, golden.com, but hitting the sell button there as well. But you can also find me on Instagram. I'm at Dave12PACK, Dave12PACK. I'm very active on Instagram and also Dave A Cards of Golden is my other handle as well, where I just post cards. My, my other page is more of just... Stuff I'm doing every day, which is a lot of card stuff too, but the the card pages where I get to like just post my cards or, or just post fun stuff. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us. Okay. I'd say the the one thing that really stuck out for me over this past hour was you actually quoted "buy what you like," and I thought that was really good advice, and that really kind of stuck with me. So, thanks for that. This was super helpful. All right, everyone. LZ and I wanted to to hop back on here and just talk about. This episode, which, man, I thought I knew a lot about auction houses and how they worked, but Dave pretty much blew me away. It was amazing just seeing the inner workings of Golden and just like the the care and the thought that they put behind everything they can sign and just hearing how he'd handle my set was was really cool. It was kind of a look inside the curtain. I thought it was awesome. What about you, LZ? What'd you think? It was It was an eye-opening experience. You and I, when a couple weeks ago, when we explained what an auction house was, we did it zero justice. 
<laughs> zero justice. But it was it was really it was really interesting. It, he brought up so many things that I didn't think about when I thought about an auction house. Like I almost thought of an auction house like a little bit better than an eBay, right? Like, all right, a, a company's going to take my my card or my collection and they're going to throw it up on their website and do a bit of marketing. But he got into like all the third parties that they use, like all the the, the partners they use for the different authentication me- methods and yeah. just the, the marketing and just, and even just atten- the attention to detail. And, and I do like the fact that he, he spoke to it's it's like the culture that that Ken and and him and Dave have built over there too, where they they care about their customers, and if something goes wrong, they're going to immediately take care of it. So yeah, it was it was completely completely eye opening. Yeah, I mean, me. you use the word care. It's like they they really care about the hobby. Yeah. Um, it's almost like they're doing what Fanatics is doing. I think they're just kind of raising the game for everybody mm-hmm. by um, mm-hmm. putting everything they can into it and innovating. And what was eye-opening for me was like, you know, people come to him and they think they have something that's 10 grand. And he's like, well, just do these couple things and it's worth 50. You yeah. know, and it's like, that's another value to an auction house that I didn't really think of is that they can educate you on what you actually have and mm-hmm. get the right price for it. Yeah, let's, cool. crack, let's crack this slab. And resubmit it. Like I would, like an auction. Wait a minute, an right. auction house is going to do that. They want you to crack that slab. Yeah, because they're so yeah. educated. They have so many years of experience. They can look at it and say, "Well, this isn't an eight. This is a nine or a 10. So yeah, incredible. And then just his backstory about how he started out in this space, and then he went on to investment banking, and then he yeah. came back. And it's a good life lesson, right? You you do what you love. He came yeah. back. He realized he wanted to do what he loved. Yeah, he's so so passionate about it. You could see mm-hmm. he's just I don't think I've ever seen somebody happier doing what they are doing. Yeah. God bless them. It's just absolutely amazing. So it's kind of like you said, it's a life lesson for the listeners. Where there's a will, there's a way. Just do what you love. And mm-hmm. like like I said, his quote stood out for me. It's it's kind of like buy what you like. So that might be yeah. the simplest piece of sports card investing advice out there. It's just buy what you like, it'll probably work out. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Because if you cool. like it, other people like it. For sure. Yeah. All right. Yep. I think okay. I think that's a wrap on this episode, LZ. What do you think? <laughs> that is that is a wrap. We, All right. we, we covered a lot of content today. All right, yes. everyone. Yeah, we're looking forward. We're going to keep rolling. And yeah, you can get this podcast. Subscribe anywhere, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get them. And yeah, that's the podcast.